This is DMOU, Destination Marketing Organization University, the DMO Sector's podcast, and I'm your host, Bill Geist. DMOU is where you hear the best and the brightest in the destination marketing space sharing innovative and compelling stories to inspire you to take your destination and organization to the next level. The format for our conversations on DMOU is elegantly simple. It's three questions and a bonus round. And today's episode is sponsored by our friends at Searchwide Global, the premier executive search firm in the DMO space. Mike Gamble and his team uncover the talent out there that isn't looking meaning that clients get a far richer candidate base from which to choose than just placing ads in pubs and online. And their client satisfaction rate across multiple metrics is 98%. If you're looking for a new opportunity or looking for the perfect candidate, call them. You can learn more at searchwideglobal.com. And now it's on to our show. Stacy Ritter assumed the role of president and CEO of Visit Lauderdale, the official destination marketing organization for Broward County in 2016, bringing with her a wealth of experience in public service and community leadership. As the CEO, Stacy oversees this dynamic organization comprised of a dedicated team of over 50 professionals with a $27 million operating budget, strategically positioning Broward County as the premier destination on both domestic and international fronts. Stacy's commitment to promoting tourism and economic growth extends beyond her role at Visit Lauderdale. She also serves on the United States Travel Association Board of Directors, the Destinations International Foundation Board, and the steering committee of the Fort Lauderdale International Boat Show. Additionally, she holds a position on the executive board of the Greater Fort Lauderdale Alliance and Winterfest. Her involvement in community initiatives includes participation in the Orange Bowl Committee and serving on a board of trustees for the Museum of Discovery and Science. Before taking the helm at Visit Lauderdale, Stacy served as an elected Broward County Commissioner from 2006 to 2016 and served as County Mayor from 2008 to 2009. Prior to her tenure at Broward County Government, Stacy also served as a member of the Florida House of Representatives from 1996 to 2004, representing the 96th District. Stacy's dedication to community service has earned her numerous accolades and recognitions, including induction into the Broward County Women's Hall of Fame, Woman of the Year from the American Jewish Congress, and recognition as the First Lady of Broward. She has also been named one of the 50 most powerful people in Broward by Gold Coast Magazine. Beyond her professional accomplishments, Stacy shares her life with her husband, Russ, their three adopted rescue dogs. She has three kids and a proud grandparent to one, Stacy Ritter. Welcome to DMOU. Thank you. I'm exhausted by that biography. (laughs) (laughs) But all well-earned, and it's been fun getting to know you over the past decade or so that you've been in our world in destination marketing. And as we talked before uh, the red light came on, uh, you are just about ready to hop out to a bowl event, if you will, out uh, in California. Yes. Tell us about that. We are putting a float in a tournament of roses parade for the first time ever, and um, it has been a real labor of love. Uh, I have always enjoyed the Tournament of Roses Parade. My mom would plop my sister and I down uh, in front of the TV, and I did it with my children, and now I expect that I'll be doing it with my new granddaughter, who's only four months old, so it'll be a little while. It has been a family tradition, and uh, 24 million households in the United States also uh, consider it a family tradition, and so we have a float. We have two and a half minutes of entertainment, Uh, We have a local impact artist named Alexander Starr who actually wrote an anthem for the destination and he will be performing it live in Pasadena on January 1st. We're all really excited about it. Well, sadly, this will air after uh, you've been out there, but uh, people can, I'm sure, find the replay on YouTube. Everything's on YouTube, right? I'm sure it'll be on every one of our social media platforms at Visit Lauderdale too. So, and I'll be sending it out on my personal platforms and I'll be making sure all my friends and family send it out. That's right. So on and so forth. 
There you go. Well, one of the reasons we wanted to have you on, outside of just I love the way you think, is what's been going on in Florida, and it's playing out over and over in many destinations, and it's not just a Florida thing, it's happening across the country, is this whole debate about whether or not it makes sense to boycott a state where the politics and the policies don't align with an organization. We all get why, but the DI has really pretty much said that, you know, this is not the way that we want to move forward in the political climate that we are in. So your first question is, we are now at 17 major conventions that have announced that they will not bring their events to Fort Lauderdale because of the political climate there, citing attacks on reproductive rights and voting rights, immigration, wokeness, you name it. As much as Destinations International has taken a position that boycotts actually harm individuals and host communities, the reality is these groups strongly believe they need to take a stand and push back publicly as the only way they know how. And that's hitting a community's economy, so it hurts. In some cases, it has worked. Uh, It worked in Indiana and North Carolina during the bathroom bill wars. Uh, It really is a tightrope. How have you and your team at Visit Lauderdale managed to walk this wire? Well, we don't consider it a wire. I think that's probably first and foremost how we how we are doing it. Um, our values are what they are. Okay. We are a very diverse and inclusive place. There are two million people who live in Broward County. Um, 170 nationalities are represented by our residents speaking 147 languages. When that's who your people are as a community, then it really isn't a, a high wire act for us at all because that's who we are, and we believe in leading with that. Um, we, we sat down and, and um, as a group and we listed all the values of this destination and they align with the values of, of county government and the people who work at Visit Lauderdale. So it really wasn't a hard decision to make to double down on what we consider are our strengths, which are the fact that we are diverse and inclusive and accessible and welcoming. And we're going to continue to do that because we are not what people hear Florida is. We just aren't those, we just aren't that. And now more than ever, it's important for us to make sure that that message gets out there. So we were at the advocacy summit um, a few months ago uh, that Destinations International uh, puts on. And this was one of the topics that came out. And it really comes down to an organization is going to do what an organization thinks they have to do, but it really does fall to us as destination marketing leaders to try to convince them that maybe this is not the right path. Tell us some of the ways that you have convinced those that otherwise probably would have followed through on a threatened boycott or a threatened cancellation. What have you done to make sure that that doesn't happen across the board? Well, we are very upfront about who we are. We will not hide. Uh, We will not cower. We are not afraid. And because of that, uh, I think that there are uh, conferences and conventions around the country that see it as an asset that we will not be silent. We firmly believe that being silent is being complicit. And unfortunately, throughout history, we have seen what happens when uh, when people are complicit and we just won't be. But we can't live with ourselves. We can't look at ourselves in the mirror. We can't lay our heads down on our pillow at night and get a decent rest if, if we didn't do what we are doing because it just comes natural to us and and it shows um we we get lots of recognition for what we do now i do understand 
when groups decide not to come here. I don't agree with it, but I do understand it. It's a, it's a whole bunch of reasons. It's they're afraid that they, you know, their attendees will not come to the destination. We've heard that. You know, they right. think that the registration is required to pay for the conference. But I talk to whoever I can and whoever's willing to have a conversation with me about why we are not what we are, what we think Florida is. Um, and despite the leadership in certain parts of this state, we are what we think Florida is. And we're going to continue to talk about it and we're going to continue to be out front. You know, I get it. We are an outlier. Jack Johnson said that to me once. He says, you know, you're an outlier, Stacey. And it is true. We are way out on a limb on this, but we think it's the right limb to be out on. And when you are silent, when you duck the conversation, you aren't doing yourselves any good. You're not being original or authentic. And as much as I hate those expressions, you know, those words, original and authentic, they're banded around way too much these days. You got to be who you are. Yeah. And if you're trying to, to twist yourself into knots to not have this conversation, I think that says volumes about what and who you are. So tell us what has worked. You indicated that you've had a number of conventions. I mean, you lost the 17. Got it. And they, they were probably lost causes before you got to them. But the ones who were yeah. telling you, hey, we're probably not going to come. How do you save them? How do you bring them back into the fold? Well, uh, we talk about who and what we are. Um, we talk about the values that are important to this to this community. Um, we, we talk about the fact that uh, our legislative delegation doesn't look anything like uh, the majority of what's going on in the legislature in Tallahassee, that people who represent us share the same values as those conference and meeting planners, and that it is important to, without being preachy or getting up on a soapbox, it's important to help those businesses which need your help the most. If you are concerned about African-American history being rewritten here in Florida, as we are, then not coming here hurts African-American-owned businesses. If you are concerned with the Don't Say Gay and the Stop Woke Act, and you don't agree with it, as we don't, then you should come here and help LGBTQ businesses who need your money now more than ever to fight what is going on. So that's how we do it. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't, but it doesn't mean we're going to stop talking about it. Yeah, you know, interestingly, Destinations International is going through its moment right now where it's getting some pushback because annual convention next year in July is scheduled for Tampa. And there was a big discussion at the board meeting as we prepare for next July that there needs to be a message that it's all well and good to explain to each other that this is hurting the very people that we hope to help with our business. And while we didn't hear the plan, I have every belief that there are going to be some really interesting opportunities for attendees at the annual convention to be fairly visible in the Tampa community, supporting what we believe is right. And so tell us how that works for you. What kinds of activations your destination marketing organization has been able to assist uh, meeting planners and event planners with to be that visible statement that those who choose to stay in a destination rather than boycott it can take advantage of and then take it back to their members and say, look, we're going to have a voice here. 
First, I know that there are lots of conversations about this at conventions like DI around the country, but nobody talks about the root of the problem. We all talk about how boycotts and, and travel advisories are wrong, but no one at these conferences is having the conversation about why they're happening in the first place. And until tourism and travel professionals take a stand that they're happening for X reasons, nothing is going to change. And I am really disappointed that that is not happening. Nobody wants to have this conversation except for Visit Lauderdale. And again, I realize that we are way out there on a limb on this, but unless you recognize the reasons why these things are happening, those who are dropping these travel bans and advisories don't think we're listening to them. We are listening to them. So that's number one. Number two, the truth of the matter is we don't have to do a whole lot because we talk about it openly, because we have taken a stand and planted our flag. We don't have to do a whole lot of activations or convincing because people know who we are, because we have chosen this as our last stand. <laughs> I just say it like that, yeah. but we've chosen this. This is our path. We set our feet on, on this path. We are here. This is, this is what we have chosen to do. What we do do is ensure that if you are coming here as the National Association of Black Journalists or the National Black Publishers Association, that we sponsor things where we are helping the community that that particular conference or convention is, is most concerned about. So we will steer those people to black and brown owned businesses. The same with, for example, a, a, a maternal or fetal medicine group, we will steer them toward organizations to help out if they want to do a corporate social responsibility day or, or carve out some time, we'll, we'll point them to the pro-choice organizations in, in the destination. We don't get involved in that because we don't get involved in politics. And I know people are going to say, oh, Stacey, of course you do. Look at your background. Your, everything you say is political. It shouldn't be. Yeah. Human rights should not be a political conversation. Treating people the same, regardless of how they identify, what color they are, what backgrounds they come from, should not be a political conversation. And because it has become one, we're taking it back. We're saying it's not. It's just human rights, and they should be universal, no matter what. Um, and we're not making it political. I mean, how can you be against that? Who's against that? Yeah. We're not. We're for it. We believe that everybody should be treated with respect and dignity, regardless of how they identify. shouldn't be political. Has your sales strategy changed and have you and has your team begin to actually identify and search for those types of organizations that kind of follow along with that concept that this isn't about politics this is about human rights and like the old Crosby Stills and Nash song come to Chicago is coming to Fort Lauderdale actually a bold move for the right organizations and are you beginning to find ways to identify and target them? Yes, absolutely. It shouldn't be courageous or bold to come to a destination where you may not believe in the values that the state um, lays down us. And we recognize that as a county, we are subject to state laws. We, we get that. And nobody here uh, works outside of, of those lines. But last I looked, the First Amendment is still a federal thing, so uh, we're going to talk about it. But we do, we absolutely do. But we also, because our tagline is everyone under the sun, 
we're not going to turn you away if your value, you know, if you just want to come to a pretty beach destination that's 80 degrees in January, and you may think that some of those laws are great. The point is, it doesn't matter to the destination. It doesn't matter to the tourism professionals who work at Visit Lauderdale, what your values are. Ours are what they are, and we align our marketing and promotion with those values. But if yours are something else, and you just want to lay on the beach in January for half a day when your conference is done or beforehand, or you want to take advantage of the fact that our convention center is on the intercoastal waterway, and it's a beautiful view, and you want to do your, your reception there, fine. We're happy to have you because at the end of the day, you're spending money in this destination. You're helping those communities that you may not align, that your values may not align with. You're helping them anyway. Your sales tax is, you know, part of sales tax is staying here in Broward County. So regardless of who you are, what you are, we want you to come here and have an exceptional experience. And that's what we provide. Perfect. So for your final question, even before the governor began his attack on black heritage and voting rights, DEI has been a significant pillar in Visit Lauderdale's work for, I don't know, five, six, seven years. You recently said that that springs from the fact that you've created a, quote, values-led marketing agency. So let me ask you this question. Have you intentionally focused on instilling those values in your professional staff, or are you hiring for values? I would venture to say that the people who work at Visit Lauderdale agree have the same values that the, the agency does. Uh, I think you, it, it would be hard to work here <laughs> if you didn't, yeah. but we don't, look, we're a county agency. Uh, our human resources policies are not written by Visit Lauderdale, they're written by Broward County, and there are certain questions you just can't ask. In fact, Broward County has a very blind hiring process so that any identifying information is blanked out of your application. So no, we don't, but I bet that people who apply for positions at Visit Lauderdale know exactly who and what we are and like the fact that that's what we are and want to be involved in an agency that cares about what people think, how they feel, uh, and that just values people as, as people. I find it hard to believe that, that, that we would get applicants that are just diametrically opposed to, to the values that, that we lead with. Yeah, and if you did, they're probably not gonna make it through the gauntlet, right? Because whether you can ask a question or not ask a question, you're going to know pretty quickly what type of passion this person brings to the job. You know, even when it's something that is not maybe in the creative or in the sales space or marketing, it could be very, very administrative, but there still has to be something there that you know this is going to click and work in an environment that has honored and valued DEI since before we called it DEI, right? Yes, and you know we've we've had a dedicated LGBTQ plus department for thirty years. Wow, yeah, and that's not new to us. There there are some other things that have come up in the past three or four years which we didn't anticipate from the state. But I don't think that regardless of what your your beliefs are, regardless of what your values are, if you don't have passion for the destination you represent, you probably shouldn't be representing that destination. If it's just a job. Yeah. And, I, and I get, look, everyone has to feed their families. We all have to pay our bills. But because I came from outside of tourism, my whole life was spent, you know, my whole professional life was spent someplace else up until 2016. Nobody expected me to have the kind of passion I have for the place I live from a tourism perspective. I love where I live. 
uh, my, my home is here for 50 years. My children are born here. My granddaughter's born here. This is where we, our roots grow deep here. You have to, you should love the place you're representing with passion and commitment or you should be doing it someplace else. Yeah, absolutely. Is that harsh? Probably. <laughs> Anybody who knows me knows that I have a tendency to be harsh. <laughs> so. Well, Stacy, thank you for kind of encapsulating the situation there and how you're responding to it, because I think that's a great example for all of us. As I said, we had several conversations about the whole Florida thing and, and how to address that at the annual convention. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of different ways that DMOs in Florida are individually going at this. And I really value the way that you've taken it and are attempting to say, this is not about politics. This is about something greater than politics. And I think it's a great example for all of us. So thank you so much. It's time for your bonus round question. So, you know, sometimes we talk about first job. Sometimes we talk about a hobby. <laughs> You've got an interesting and just a fascinating story to tell about the fact that you were actually the chair of the committee for Obama in the state of Florida. So, I mean, what a huge job that was. And you tell me that your very first trip on behalf of the committee that you were chairing was uh, to a very frigid New Hampshire. So tell us the story of being chair of the Obama presidential campaign in Florida. Well, when I was a county commissioner, I got a call in my office one day. My assistant stuck her head in the office and she said, uh, Stacy, there's a Senator Barack Obama on the phone for you. This was in August of 07. And I remember the two people who were sitting in the client chair in my office, sort of their mouths dropped open and they just sort of like, wow. He was polling at about 3% back then. Yeah. Uh, and I signed on to the campaign. I figured, what the hell? Uh, Hillary Clinton had no idea who I was. And, and if I got on the Hillary campaign, I'd be like a million out of, you know, a million on her list. And even though I knew that the Clintons had very long memories, we'd say, you know, what the hell? So we signed on. My husband and I signed on. And um, they we told them we would travel. So they sent us to New Hampshire in January of 08. We left Fort Lauderdale. It was 80 degrees. We landed in New Hampshire. It was negative 12. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine the shock to uh, to our system, and then we traveled to Minneapolis in February, which was also very very cold. In St. Paul, they have this ice sculpture festival. Uh, we do sand castle festivals here, so it was right. really interesting. It's kind of the same, <laughs> except that the clothing is a little different. And then um, I said to them at the end of February, guys, look, I'd really like to go someplace warm. And they said, where would you want to go? And I said, Hawaii. And they said, we don't need you in Hawaii. And they sent me to Cleveland in March. So it was New Hampshire, Minnesota, and Ohio, all in the wintertime. Uh, but it was a really neat campaign because you got it at the bottom when very few people were, were on the Obama campaign. And then I was really fortunate in May of that year to introduce them to 20,000 people at, at, our, at our arena here, which was just amazing by that time he had pretty much clinched the nomination although yeah. clinton didn't know that <laughs> so, she hadn't been looking right and it was you know and the whole thing through the convention and through the election we were in chicago in november 2008 in the park and watched his acceptance speech and it was just a really neat once in a lifetime experience on a national campaign yeah what an amazing run besides the climate issues Favorite story from the campaign? I think that uh, introducing him in front of 20,000 people was, was 
my favorite part. Um, also, having the next president of the United States know your name yeah. uh, was pretty pretty exciting. And I have a picture that I have on my wall uh, of he and I from May of 08. And he writes to Stacey, you're the best, Y-O-U-R, not apostrophe R. And I'm like, that's a Harvard grad. <laughs> so there you go. And some of us would say these days, yep, that's a Harvard grad for sure. Yeah. Um, fun. And we were both young and we had lots of energy. And um, it was it was fascinating. Introducing him to my daughter. Oh, you know, and what was really cool, we had Michelle Obama at our house for a fundraiser in April of 2008. And I had to take her through my daughter's room to get to the backyard. And Stephanie was 15 and 15-year-old's girls are not particularly nice. And I remember walking into Stephanie's room and there were clothes all over the floor. And I'm like, Stephanie, the next first lady of the United States has to come through your room. Let's get this place cleaned up. And she goes, mom, I have to get dressed for work. I don't really care. And we look back on that now and we laugh and my daughter will say to me, God, I really should have cared. And I'm like, yeah, you really should have cared. <laughs> Too funny. So she's Michelle Obama walking over clothes on the floor, picking her way through this disaster, this teenage disastrous room like a hurricane. Which I'm sure, well, I shouldn't say that, but I would imagine that she'd experienced that before <laughs> with her own. Yeah. Yeah. So nothing new. Yeah. For, for okay. Stephanie and for Michelle, it wasn't embarrassing. For me, I was mortified, but you know. Too funny. Stacy, great story. It had to have been just a hell of a year. I can only imagine being that close to and watching going from nothing to the presidency was, I'm sure, just amazing. So thanks for the story and thanks for all you do for all of us. Looking forward to seeing you uh, down the pike in the future and uh, keep fighting the good fight. Thank you. Thank you, Bill. That's it for this edition of DMOU. Tell your friends and peers this is where the best and the brightest come to share their stories. It's DMOU.com. Be sure to subscribe to this feed on whatever platform you enjoy your podcast so you can receive instant notification when new episodes drop. Thanks again to this episode sponsor, our friends at Searchwide Global, the premier executive search firm in the DMO space. Mike Gamble and his team uncovered the talent out there that isn't looking, meaning that clients get a far richer candidate base from which to choose than just placing ads in pubs and online. If you're looking for the next opportunity or the perfect candidate, call them. You can learn more at searchwideglobal.com. DMOPros.com is where you're going to find links to our services for the DMO sector, links to past editions of the Z News, position papers on board diversity and a new model for destination development, the book Destination Leadership, and the biggest DMO job board on the planet, plus access to past episodes of DMOU. That's DMOPros with a Z.com. Executive producer of DMOU is Terry White, and this is a production of DMO Pros. I'm your host, Bill Geist. Until next time.